this week on Dig Me Out. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, we're back with, again, <laughs> our old friend Gavin from Australia. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is his 77th appearance on the on the show, Jay. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> We've done 506 episodes or something like that, and he's been on roughly a third of them. <laughs> no, how many is to, it? Uh, I'm looking it up right now to see how I'm many. Curious. How many? You got it Gavin, off the top of your head? No, I'd go more than 10, less than 20, but. I probably had more than 20 suggestions because early on we weren't on them. I have eight. Yeah. Eight appearances. That makes sense. And then there's a lot more that are suggestions, probably at least double that. Yeah. And a pretty, pretty good range of different albums, too. We never know. uh, We can't always count on what what you're going to submit. So you always seem to surprise us. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's. There's a reasonable theme, but I try to throw something outside of it every now and again. You've got like, um, it looks like of the six that aren't round tables, half Australian, half not mm. too. So it's not always Australian. Nope. No, I try to do, yeah, try to throw in one every now and again. Yeah, I, I think some of the, uh, even some of the earlier ones that were suggestions were not necessarily, uh, Australian. Right. Did, you, did you suggest the A miniature? Yeah, I did. Yeah. See, now that's an interesting one because you suggested that, and then we ended up having John on from the band for the San Diego episode, which we yeah. would never would have known about that band if it hadn't been for you, and I never would have reached out. They're probably still the one, like for the theme of this, that I, that everybody should know and listen to, and ha- and nobody knows. Like they're not even on streaming; they're hard to find. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of hard to find, <laughs> uh, why don't you share with everyone the band that you selected for this episode? All right. Um, so today we're going with a band called Recane, um, and their album Regret is an inevitable consequence of life. Um, about 20 minutes ago, I found out that Recane is a French slang term for yank. I don't know if you've come across that. No. Yeah, um, I just found that out a minute ago, so that's a loose tie in there. And yank is a slang term for? (laughs) Americans. Okay. (laughs) Yankees. Gotcha. Yes, okay. Yeah, not the other version. (laughs) Right, I was like, this can go one (laughs) of two ways. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you discover this band? Did you see them at at a pub? Or did you get the record first? Um, I couldn't even tell you we've got chicken egg on this one. Um, I'm going to say I, I would suggest I saw them on a low bill 
at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne um, supporting somebody else. But I may have found them, they're on Rubber Records, and Rubber Records put, used to put out quite a lot of samplers, so they may have been on a sampler of those. Um, one of those two things. I'll go with the live version. It's, it feels like I would have walked away from this live and gone, I have to have this more so than on a sampler. Yes, Rubber Records uh, put out a lot of records that are relevant to this podcast. Well, Even was one of them. The, the Even album that we did was put out in Rubber Records. They put out two uh, compilations in Australia called um, American Pie and American Pie 2, and that's where I heard um, things like um, Heat Miser and um, Archers of Loaf and a lot of that kind of music. Responsible for the band Jet, if people are familiar with that band. And uh, there's some other ones that I've... The Stooges cover band? Yes. Um, And they have a Columbus tie-in. They put out a 7-inch by the band Boys From Nowhere, which was a Columbus, Ohio garage rock band. So uh, that's cool. Let's do a little history of the band what do you know any history about them i dug up a little bit there's not a lot on the internet about there's this band lot, no. history of the band um they i think most of the history says that they're a melbourne band i think they were originally from tasmania um or at least members were um prior to that no i don't know what bands they were in beforehand there's been a, a couple of bands afterwards um there must be preceding bands because they're just they're quite they're too talented or too skilled as musicians to have not been doing something prior to this um, but no I pretty much don't know anything prior to Rakane. Gotcha okay I can fill a little bit in so the member it was a three-piece the members were Neil Thomason on guitar and vocals Brett O'Reilly on bass and vocals and Tom Jackman on drums they formed in 94 and released a seven inch in 95. Uh, so they released the 7-inch 95, which was a split with a band called Baseball, and then followed that up with an EP called Intour, The Cold Gray Rain, and then put out another 7-inch in 96 with a split with a band called Midget, and that's the year that this album that we are checking out, Regret, is an Inevitable Consequence of Life, which came out on Rubber Records. Um, that's the year that came out, and then... They actually went to the U.S. to do some touring on that record, and they met with Bob Weston, who is a Chicago producer, has worked on a lot of records, and they recorded The Clarity of Distance, their follow-up, with uh, Bob Weston in Chicago. And then they put an EP called Mainlanders in 97, uh, along with the album, and then they took a break uh, as a band, and they went on to do other projects for a couple years, and then got back together, and uh, for a show in like 2000, that's when they released, uh, or that's when they, yeah, that's when they released Silence is the New Sound EP, and then their final record, Urbanity, came out in 2002, and that's, by that point, they are, were done. Um, they do have a Bandcamp page where you can get all this stuff. What's interesting is when I was Googling them, I found a website called A Thousand Mistakes, 
which is a just a music fan kind of going through um, different uh, eras of music in different countries and and checking them out and comparing it to the 1001 albums you um, should own that list. And he did a post on this record and talked about how much he liked it and whatnot. And in the comments, a bunch of people said, oh, you know, I forgot about this record. Thanks for reminding me. And then um, Tom Jackson, the, I guess that, what is Tom Jackson? The uh, the drummer, or Jackman. Tom Jackman. Is it Jackman or Jackson? No, Jackman, yeah. Tom Jackman uh, chimed in last year, actually, and said, uh, you did wrote, uh, Rikane, Ry- is it Rikane? I call him Rikane, but Rikane? Yeah, it's French, so. Yes. He said, you did Rikane good. We didn't officially break up as a group. Might get together at some point and play some old tunes. Long shot, though. Good to hear some people still carry great memories of us to this day. So that was interesting that they are, uh, you know, still still at least in touch, even though the band's been broken up for almost 20 years. Or not broken up. Sorry, they've been on hiatus for 20 years. So... Over at our Patreon, Jay, we did get some comments on this post. People were into it. David Gorgos, he said, I never heard them before. I love the production. You can hear a lot of room tone and warmth like a live production, yet all the instruments are clear and sharp. Kyle Bittner said, I had never heard of this band before. Found it to be a great combination of Kowloon walled city heaviness with Fugazi style guitar tones. The schizo pacing and start-stop abruptness of the songs was a bit challenging, but that added to the enjoyment of the album. Interesting note, he mentioned Fugazi there. In the um, the blog post, A Thousand Mistakes, there's a quote from Ian McKay. They apparently toured together at some point. I don't know if it was in Australia or when... Um, yeah, it was in Okay, and um, apparently Rakane opened up and he said, do we have to follow that? They should be headlining, and we should be just be going home now. <laughs> so I guess Ian McKay was impressed by Rakane. Although if they had have done it that way, he wouldn't have heard them because he would have gone home. That's true. Wow, that's a conundrum. <laughs> Willie Dillon said, sounds like an Aussie shellac, which is cool. Uh, Gabriel Gutierrez says, pretty good record. I'm a total sucker for this kind of post-hardcore noise rock. They really do sound like an Australian shellac, and you can totally hear the Steve Albini influence all over this record from the production, specifically that drum sound, to the vocal. Though I personally feel like the first and last songs on the record could have been half the length they were, the rest of the tracks range from pretty good to great. Overall, I dug this album, and I'm glad to have been introduced to this band. And then Steve Musinski, you wrote a lot. I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to trim it down, but he said, this is brand new to me. I'm always intrigued by a Gavin pick and this one. Well, this is right in my wheelhouse. I voted worthy album all the way. Stand out tracks for me are June 23rd, 308 and meek. The drums on this thing are damn near perfect, both from a performance as well as a pro- production standpoint. At first I thought it was an odd choice to open up the album the way they did all ominous and somber, but the more I sit with it, the more I kind of dig it. It's a vibe that ebbs and flows throughout the course of the album, establishing a sense of cohesion. And then he asked, did these guys ever tour with Mark of Cain, Gavin? Do you know that? Yes, indeed, they did. Yeah. yeah <laughs> nice. They did. 
I love that we have that ability to have a discussion about Cain and Mark of Cain touring together. <laughs> the the Cain the tour. Uh, okay, so we'll get to the poll results later in the show. Ja- like you, I'm sure we were both completely unaware of this band going in <laughs> to reviewing this record. Yeah. It's to the point where, like, I, I asked you at some point, hey, uh, what's the Gavin pick? And you he said the band name. I was like, what? I was like, can you spell that? And I think it took you spelling it three times for me to even, like, be able to enter it into a search to see if I could find the record. Right. Did I put so, USB? No, you didn't. You had the other no. two records on the USB. Right. It's all right. The other they, one's more accessible. The clarity of distance I was originally going with because I thought that was a more accessible thing, but then I thought, no, this is a more authentic version of how I hear them. And and they have a Bandcamp page, so you can stream the record from there. Yeah. Uh, they also had a video, which I sent to Jay, um, for uh, the songs Judy's Fence, which uh, we'll get into that. But uh, Jay, tell me one thing you liked about "Regret is an Inevitable Consequence of Life" by Rakane. Uh There's several things. A lot of them were actually mentioned in the comments, but I'll elaborate a little bit more. Uh, the drumming is just really fantastic. I think it's helped quite a bit um, by the tone. It just makes the drums just so central to the to the songs, um, and. You really feel like you're in you're in a space with them, like whether it's a headphone listen or with speakers. I just you can't not be pulled into that intimacy, I guess. Um, and it, in a weird and somehow they're able to in the I guess this is maybe the signature of the um, Steve Albini production. But even though this is noisy and angular and a little, you know, sharp at times. I think because of the production, it, it somehow softens it um, mm-hmm. in a way that makes it very accessible, uh, which I, I really appreciate. Because I, I do like, I do like bands like this a lot. I just find myself being very sensitive to the way they're produced, and it, it would be the same thing going to see a band like this live, where if the room's not right and the PA is not right, it can go from being like super cool and engaging and really easy, you know, easier to understand to like a complete fucking mess. <laughs> like right. you don't know what's going on. Um, so it, I, this production is just so well suited for this band um, down to, I mean, starting with the drums, you know, I think the guitars, the way that they're able to, you know, starting with the first track use dynamics to, I think another level. So they're not just using dynamics from a like, okay, I'm going to turn a distortion pedal on, or we're going to add a second guitar track. Like, the dynamics are coming from how hard he's playing the guitar, you know? So when you get into that first song, which is kind of like a slow burning, like, you know, these little accents here and there. And like, he's just gently strumming the guitar and it gives it this whole other tone and like brings down the intensity and like, you can feel something building, but it's not artificial. Like you're really like, because of the way it's performed and the, because you can hear them, performing it through the production like you're pulled into it a lot more i think um which i really appreciate and then you know with a lot of bands like this you know vocals can sometimes be an issue but 
uh, I think the vocals on this record are, are really well done in that they help kind of like give the song a direction sometimes. Um, but I also like how, again, like how they're produced, like they feel like instead of somebody screaming into a mic, it feels like somebody's in the room with you off mic, you know? So it's just, it sounds more natural. Like it's not, it's not abrasive in a, a negative, unlistenable way, you know? Um, which to me, it makes it end up feeling like actually more urgent and authentic as opposed to like produce for a record. You know, again, it's like you're in the room with them while they're performing this. Um, and I really appreciate that. Maybe, maybe you have to be in a band to kind of like really get into the tune of like what that sounds like and what that's like and how emotional that can be. But, or need to have gone to like some smaller shows where you see bands that are able to really just like just own a room, a small intimate room like that. But that's really a lot of the experience of this record for me. Um, and there's some great, uh, complicated, almost, you know, proggy kind of like starts and stops and musicianship, but there's also, and I think it's actually most, um, noticeable on the first song and the last song, which are a little slow and, you know, you really have to have a little patience with them. But what you do here is a fairly sophisticated, like understanding of melody. You know, the, the melodies that are unveiled in those songs are, um, they like change and there's a theme there, but there's also a lot of like evolution and like nuance in it. Um, that I'm not sure a lot of bands like this do really well. Um, and that's probably the part that I picked up on most just overall on the record is just their ability to, I think, understand melody and weave it in, but do it in a way that's obviously fits the genre and like sort of the energy and the statement they're trying to make. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the production on this record is so perfect for the sound. And I love how much, you know, we talk about dynamics a lot. I love mm -hmm. how much they get in dy into dynamics with their starts and stops. And, and, and it's really abrupt at times, but it totally fits the style. And you can hear, I mean, it is such a great room sound that you can hear when when I know there's two singers with um Brett O'Reilly and, and Neil Tomlinson on bass and guitar, 
and there are times where you can hear the leads whoever is singing lead on the song backed up you know like what i would imagine is you know it's just mixed low but it because of that room tone and that room sound it sounds like they're just standing a little bit farther away and yelling with no mic yeah yeah and i've been in those rooms where that's happened and it's it's a really visceral experience when you yep. get to when you get to be there so getting to see or getting to to hear that actually captured where it almost feels like a live performance that they're capturing is it's really cool the various influences you, you know you mentioned the the beginning and ending songs which are very minimal quiet and then you get into these heavy tracks and i'm you know you're hearing like the the, the influence of of steve albini stuff both in terms of production and, and then in playing but then obviously fugazi and a lot of post hardcore bands and i'm also hearing like helmet in some of yeah. the riffs like uh, the song judy's fence has a has a a very early helmet sound to some of the riffs that are going on in that song and i mentioned the the video and i think when people think of bands like this they think of a very sort of um you know post-punk and and post-hardcore can be sort of technical in a lot of ways because of the changes and the and the dynamics and it doesn't lend itself to like a it's almost like like the nerd rock in a lot of ways of of rock but if you watch the video like it's a little like more intellectual or heady yeah that sort of thing yeah but if you watch the video it's all about drag racing (laughs) right (laughs) Yeah, yeah 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 And you realize, like, oh, this is just heavy rock. Well, I think that's a very what you just articulated is a very like American culture oriented perspective mm-hmm. on like what this music, the image, what the image of this music is supposed to be. Exactly. Like in America, this is supposed to be intellectual. Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to blatantly say, or I'm not going to, you know, uh, stereotype all of Australia, but watching that video, I go, oh, these are just dudes into muscle cars. Right. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? And I, you know, in, and in, you know, we checked out the Cosmic Psychos. We checked out, um, you know, years ago, other, other bands that front end loader and, and, other bands that have connections to like car culture. So yeah. it's really interesting to what this band would be lumped in with like a Fugazi and, and Sherlock. And I don't think of those people as like wanting to talk about classic muscle cars. 
Right. You know, no. that seems that's such a, a weird cultural interest for that group, which and for and for you, you and me, that is that's where, you know, some of it like is odd because you and I do like cars. Right, and, right, right. So um, so listening to uh, some of the stuff we listen to doesn't in, probably in some people's minds doesn't make sense because we're, we're also I don't want to say gearheads per, per se, but just have an appreciation for that. So that was a really interesting juxtaposition that I don't think happens um, with American uh, bands of this type. So, but I, I just loved listening to this and hearing the levels of talent in terms of the playing and then it actually getting properly recorded so that it, it is very, lively in the in the best possible way so yeah that was a lot of fun gavin what works best for you on this record um okay so going going back to when i first heard it when i saw them live initially etc um what worked best for me was that this wasn't really something we'd heard a lot of so the reference points that people are talking about here for gazi shellac helmet um you know in in '96, and I've probably heard them '95. Um, it just wasn't that easy to hear these bands. I don't think I had heard of Shellac at that point, and maybe just gotten onto Fugazi Helmet were a bit more obvious. Um, so just to hear people making music that had space, that wasn't necessarily about um, oh, about having a song, even you know, it was it was it's a soundscape almost. Um, Probably the only uh, the only earlier reference point that kind of sounds a little bit like this is um, "Endless Nameless" on the end of some issues of Nevermind, where they just go into the ten minute sort of um, freak out at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where where there's just because I one of the reference points I'd say for this is that um, a lot of their songs sound a little bit like what happens when your favourite um, punk hardcore metal band um, finish their encore and just play. And then they put their instruments down to feed back through the thing through the speakers and walk <laughs> off. That sounds a bit like Recane. Um, but having gone back to it now, because my big question with this and my big doubt as to what other people would think of it is, how do you like? When is the appropriate time to even listen to this album? Like, it's very hard to listen to in front of other people because very few people will get it. You probably can't really listen to it around kids. It's just too loud. There's feedback every now and again. There's just a weird squeal going on. Um, so what I found listening back, and you've both mentioned the, the first and last songs being um, softer and some other people did too, is that it's a really cohesive album. That first song um, is an intro. It's clear and they introduce individual elements. So there's that little bit of guitar feedback and there's a little bit of plucking and then there's some sparse drums. And then on the second song it actually erupts. It's like that put, puts all those elements that were individual initially together. Yeah. Um, and then the last song they sort of do the reverse. It's long, it's fairly quiet, and they, they bring us back down from what is a fairly sort of pummeling, loud experience and needs to be loud, I think, um, and they bring us back down and, and release us. So other than that, like when I was listening to it, I was like, uh, the last song seems you know, a bit superfluous and a bit long, and I'm like, oh, no, what they're doing is you know, they're, they're taking you back out of the album, um, which, I, which I really appreciated because I've never... Yeah, I've never, it's a hard album to put on from start to finish, I've found, in the past, and I've really sort of got that this time. Mm. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I found it worked really well as a record all the way through. And I I found myself like, re- this isn't a band that's hook driven, but I definitely remembered parts. And when they would pop up again, I'd go, oh, this is that cool part. Like in Meek, yeah. when the drummer just like takes over for a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, this is this part. Yes. figure out okay so what song would you put would you even try to put on the radio and, and meek was the obvious one i thought that was the only one that has any chance yeah it's got a little bit more of like a progressing riff as opposed to like kind of a churning helmet riff it's more of like um yeah i don't know ascending it's got kind a of a riff. Groove, like a rollins band yeah yeah and that drum part in the middle is just awesome like mm. Uh, it's just one of those, like you said, Tim, it's the hooks in this record are, are, there are hooks. They're just not what you would can, you know, in a conventional sense, think of as a hook. Right. They might be, um, in a lot of cases, they're drum fills, <laughs> uh, but sometimes they might be like a little guitar, um, bit or like some phrasing on a vocal or, you know, little, um, things here or there. I also want to mention, uh, you know, a song like track one out of the, the of the empty quarter or the last song three from three. Those are songs that I on other records that would be in the ballpark of this. Um, I would not like like I, I probably would call those out as like, eh, you can cut those. But if you get, have a little bit of patience, right, and you're really like, you know, kind of just give yourself over to this record for a minute. Um, I think they're really important to the record, um, to the point you made, Gavin, like they, they set things up and they end things. Um, but they're also like able to be, I guess, compelling and just interesting, even though it's quiet and slow. And for a band that's, you know, mostly I would say defined by dynamics, um, it's hard to do that when you're being quiet and slow, but somehow they're still able to, even at that intensity, be dynamic, mm. um, which I think says a lot, you know, that is not easy to do. Yeah. There's a real sense of foreboding, I think in the, in the start, it's like, okay, what's going to come here. Right. Um, when I was listening to it, I was trying to find a way of describing, because this is, again, this is always my issue with this album. How do I tell somebody what this sounds like? Yeah. I feel like that, that little intro at the start almost sounds like this is going to sound terrible, but it, sounds like somebody picking off a scab, like a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and then at the end it comes off into song two. Yep. And then the blood pours out. 
<laughs> and we're all shit. <laughs> and then full on head, head wound. <laughs> well, and I think that what's cool about those two is that they they're unique in them in their own ways, but they also lend themselves or, or they're 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 not reproduced exactly, but you get those moments of restraint and quietness in other songs, even if it's just for like a bar, you know, like even yeah. in death starts out slow and, and quiet and then it builds up to be a, a loud track. But there are, are moments where everything drops out and you just get like the guitar being scratched or, or a little bit of, of noise or something like that. So it's cool because those, it almost acts as like a, in the in the introduction as like a tease for you know yes this is going to be a loud record but there's going to be a lot of nuance and and you're going and then we're setting that up for you so and this very much feels like i think jay you mentioned this very much feels like a record like top to bottom yep so try yeah and i agree like when I looked at the track list and I was like, oh, 10 minute closer, what's that going to be about? And then when you actually get to it, you're like, oh, this, okay, I get what's going on here. So, but to your question, Gavin, about when do you play this? Um, I found this, this be, this is a good, this is actually a good work record for me. Okay. Um, but I would not play this on my stereo for the family at dinner. <laughs> this is a good work record, but it's also a good me record. And like, I found myself like when, when, when uh, my wife and, and kid are out of the house for, you know, an hour or so, like, this is the type of thing that I would put on with speakers and just kind of like, just listen to music, which I don't do that much anymore. Like when I listen to music, it's like, I'm doing something else all the time. But I think this is the kind of record that you could actually put on and just just listen to it, like not do anything else. Um, and for me, you know, the fact that it's a little bit abrasive, that would be like actually the perfect time for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I also just found crank, it to be a- crank it, crank it and just zone out. I, I did enjoy driving because like when a song like Contradictory Black Muzzle comes on and you got that like that dun 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 like that's a good you know slap the steering wheel beat I definitely feel like there are opportunities. I mean, I, I would, you know, we mentioned similar bands. I would place it in the same sort of listening category as, as those bands. Like I'm not going to sh- throw in a shellac record in the middle yeah. of a Saturday afternoon while we're, <laughs> you know, hanging out. But, 
it's a shame that it's not on streaming because it would definitely fit with a, a nice playlist of of those bands. It made me think a lot of uh, I, um, I bought my first like live concert stream thing uh, a couple of weeks ago for Baroness, and it was a. Uh, it was kind of formatted like a um, rehearsal studio space. Like they had cameras all around them and it was kind of like they were facing each other and like they were obviously like creating this experience. Like you were more in a practice space with them as opposed to watching a show. Mm-hmm. And like, I enjoyed the hell out of that. And then when I listened to this record, it very much like felt like that to me, like, Oh, okay. This is like, you're in the space with you're in this space and like they're playing and you're just kind of like part of it. Um, Yep. So it definitely kind of put me in that mood and, and made me think of that kind of a, that type of experience. Is there anything that does not work for you on the record? Well, I mean, it's, it is uh, a bit difficult, you know, it's not the most accessible record. Um, like I said, I think the production helps make it more accessible. Um, and not in the way that you typically hear, like typically when you hear that, like you think the, Oh, they added reverb and <laughs> like shine stuff up. That's not what I mean. Um, so, you know, there's, um, there's some abrasiveness to it. You know, there's maybe some things here and there, like I think three from three has like some weird, like vinyl crackly sounds going on that are kind of here and there. There's some distracting things, um, that they, that they do that. I don't know if it's totally necessary. Um, but not really. I mean, for me personally, I mean, for this type of music, if I'm in the mood for this, um, there's very little for me to critique um, in a negative way. It's it's pretty much right where I want this type of music to be. But not everybody's obviously going to uh, be into this music or be able to get into this music. So um, you, you kind of have to grade it almost on a curve in that way. Yeah, I agree with you. I there's I mean, I wouldn't be really changing anything and I I don't have any major issues with production or or the how the instruments were recorded or or anything. Um, you know, it might be nice to have one or two tracks that have a little bit more of a hook, but yeah. It's like a it's, vocal hook. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind a uh, a a, um, a little bit of a you know Fugazi is abrasive at times, but yeah. they're between uh, Gee and uh, and Ian they're they're able to craft some pretty cool melodies and hooks from time to time. Yeah. So I think that was the only thing that I would really say is missing. But I think from a, a musical standpoint, this is just so powerful and and it sounds so good that that sort of outweighs the fact that there's nothing that's i mean there are there are some lyrics and stuff that i remember and that that come when i when they come back around i you know perk up but as far as like a if when i look at all of the song titles i'm like no there's no hooks there like i don't i don't know what any of those (laughs) yeah you know there's no waiting room is what I'm uh, saying. In a in a band that I that I, I forgot to bring up that I just want to throw away in real fast before I forget. Um, when I listen to this, you know, um, 
for a while. And then it, specifically, I think when I shifted more to speakers and it even had more of a room sound, um, suddenly it triggered refused. Uh, no, yeah. Punk to come. That record came out two years after this. And there's some moments on this where, boy, it sounds a lot like the blueprint that a lot of that record is based on. I mean, obviously they go a little bit, you know, uh, further with other instrumentation, keyboards and cellos and all kinds of stuff like that. But the dynamic concepts here, the way that they, and the way that they use like, you know, these explosions and extremely quiet parts, very reminiscent of, of that refused record um, that came out a couple of years later. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but that's the dynamics are spot on with just, you know, a little advanced production yep. on that, on that refused record. Gavin, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this? Um, there's nothing, nothing that really doesn't work as a record. We had a bit of a, I don't even know what you would call the genre for this. We'll go with noise rock, maybe. Um, correct me. Um, but we had a bit of a thing going on here at the time. So there was bands like Midget, which I think you've mentioned, um, S-Barn, Turnpike, all making this kind of sound. And I think Jay mentioned it earlier that if you get this sound slightly wrong, it doesn't work. So every now and again I would go and see one of those bands, and particularly if you're going with somebody else and you're trying to go, oh, you really need to hear this, you know, they're – they're not really heavy. They're more kind of loud, um, you know, and there's some amazing musicianship, and then you walk in and the sound's a little bit off and there's just this ginormous wall of noise coming at them um, yeah. and it's just the heaviest thing they've ever heard um, and <laughs> they don't get it. You know, it's just, it's just this massive, enormous feedback-driven, you know, drumming mad, can't hear the vocals thing coming at them and they just look at you and go, oh, you're an idiot. Um, so... Yeah. That would be my only complaint is it's very uh, – well, not complaint, but the only thing – it's very hard. I've, I've, like I said, I've never been able to get anybody into this, so I'm really happy with everybody's feedback um, for, for that reason. You know, it's, it's, it's too difficult for them. You finally found the audience. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Did. It took 20-something years. <laughs> Just you – kept, you kept looking, man. Yep. <laughs> That's Here we are. Having, uh, I'll be headlining Dig Me Out Palooza next year. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, uh, we'll see if we can get Mark <laughs> Kane, you know, and uh, and a few others could do it. We could do a, an Australian. There's, and, there's uh, a band who I really love called The Nation Blue, who are also in this vein, um, bit more songy, but they actually have songs. Um, but they they first sell uh, their. Yeah, they're just into the 2000s, unfortunately. So otherwise, they'd be, I'd be all over those. But yeah. Oh, and Steve, we see you. We see your name. <laughs> we see your name. He just posted, hi, guys, tuning in way too late or way late. You likely won't see this. Nope, we see everything. <laughs> we, see, we see it all. Um, so they did tour the U.S. in 96, but... You know, when I'm thinking back to that, that's like the Betty era of Helmet. Um, that's pretty refined, that record, in terms of it's, it's, you know, it's production is pretty glossy in comparison to um, Strap It On and, and In the Meantime. And, and the 
the post, I mean, I'm sure this could have done well. I don't know what it did in terms of college radio, but with this production, it almost makes it impossible to play it on like commercial radio because it's so room oriented. And in, you know, 95, 96, that's not flying. You got to have glossy production and, you know, noisy stuff is moving. They're moving away from that in terms of U.S. radio. Yeah. I don't know, man. This is so much better than some a lot of other bands that we've reviewed that are in this genre that got a lot more success. Oh yeah, I mean, th- to okay. me, this is this is much better than Helmet, it's particularly that Betty record. Like, it to me, this is better than Slint, which people love and oh, it, boy. still sells a ton of oh, records. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I'll, I'll say this is better than any of the Shellac uh, albums as an album. Yeah, that might be the case too. I'm just going to let you guys keep digging holes. Just keep digging. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to illustrate more. Just, yeah, we all have our different opinions. I'm just trying no, to illustrate I get it. Like, for potential of this record, like, to me, that is, uh, you know, where they, where it could have gotten to, you know, that's the kind of like the, the cap. Um, and I don't really understand, other than they were from Australia, why that, why they wouldn't have gotten there. There's nothing about this that, is inferior to any of the bands that we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, none of those bands, like shellac was not a radio band, obviously. And I think helmet, you know, they had a single that got some play off of, of the previous record, but I don't, I don't feel like did did Betty have a single that got a lot of, Oh, he had a major label record deal. I mean, they were with Interscope. But right. did, but did I don't remember like Wilma's Rainbow being on MTV. It was on Triple J, yeah. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think the other thing with this kind of um, band is, again, it's, it's so specific and the amount of times you can listen to it is so specific that if you already, let's say you actually like this sound, but you already own a Shellac album and a Fugazi album and a Helmet album, you kind of, you because you can't listen to this all the time. You almost don't need any more of it. So, you know, yeah. it would be like, yeah, and, and particularly if you only gave it one or two listens and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds a little bit like everyone, the most common comment is this is an Australian shellac. Um, so if you already had that, you go, oh, that's cool, you know, and then not buy it because you feel like you've already got that. But when you give it a few more goes, you go, oh, no, hang on, this is different. For our Australian Lollapalooza, is Spider Bait available? We, we liked Spider Bait. I saw them last year. Oh, um, really? They're still getting together? Yeah. Although they kind of get, like, all those bands get back together, support of Midnight Oil, of all things. Um, with well, the Living Everybody End, should support Midnight Oil. So, yeah. <laughs> the Living End, who seem to have some issue with their sound, so they basically just played a one hour guitar solo. Um, <laughs> awesome. It was pouring with rain and it was an outdoor gig so well let's talk about our our uh, overall reviews of this record now i did mention that we did get uh, our votes in over at uh, patreon we're going to talk about those it's worthy album better ep or decent single jay where do you land worthy album 
I, I think if you're into this sound, there's not a whole lot here to uh, to remove. I think it hold it, it is not just holds together. It is composed as an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, you know, and if there, there's no songs on here that are sort of like too far or not far enough or underdeveloped. I mean, they're all really consistent and, um, you know, true to what the, the sound of the band is. Um, the production, you know, obviously we've mentioned it many times, but, um, it doesn't let down any of these songs at any point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a solid worthy album. I'm going to agree with you. I don't, I don't think you can, mess with this record in terms of its flow because I don't feel like anything breaks what they do well. Like they don't, they don't do some oddball like track that doesn't belong. And each track is composed that, and it sort of fits in its own way. But you got to like this style of music. Like if you're not into this, this is going to sound like nails on a chalkboard. But if you dig those, you know, post-punk, post-hardcore band, you know, sounds of of those bands that we've mentioned. I, this is like right up your alley. It's a shame that it was it's so obscure. I mean, th- I think that this record only came out in Australia. I don't think there was a U.S. release. And the the next record got released in the U.S. Even in the uh, Bandcamp, I actually bought this on Bandcamp. And uh, it's like, it doesn't appear when you first look at it, but when you check out, it's actually in Australian dollars. <laughs> so like even the way it's like distributed on Bandcamp is, is Australian. There you go. It is weird though. If you, I did a search on Apple music for the band name. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, there is a Rocane <laughs> out there. Do not confuse this band with that band. Uh, the, okay. the one letter because Rocaine is uh, a play on cocaine and I'll let you take it from there. What, what that band's about. Um, oh, okay. what, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was weird when I did a search on Apple music, uh, for Rocaine, a result came up, but I couldn't like click it. <laughs> so I don't know either. There's a bug or maybe it's like returning result from Australia, but then it blocks you. But it was weird that it, like it actually found the artist and it looked like you could click through to see their catalog. But you just we click it and nothing would happen. So fantastic. Well, well done. Music or record labels. Wait, looks uh, like Bandcamp is your best option. Yes. Yeah, that's how I was listening to it. Uh, so I, I'm at a worthy album with this as well. Gavin, what you say? Uh, yeah, well, I think pretty clearly I'm at a worthy album, of, yes. you know, a, a very worthy album. Um Interesting, the different band names you've got. I recently, I'm going to say it was probably late last year, um, our local radio, local community, Triple Z Radio, um, put up, they announced there was a song by a band called Rakan coming up next, a new new song from Rakan. And I was like, oh, how good is this? I haven't heard of them for years. Um, and it was a slightly atmospheric, like it wasn't a, a billion miles from this, much softer. And I was like, is that where they've gone now? You know? Um, yeah. And I followed, followed, went down that rabbit hole and it wasn't it, um, unfortunately. But yeah, definitely, definitely an album. Like I said, I don't understand. Like you, I think everyone says the same thing. You either like this or you don't. 
Um, yeah. If you like this, this is a really good version of it. And I don't know how you would pick any particular song because that's not really how this music works. It's not songs, it's sounds. Yeah, I feel like we've said um, you either like or you don't, uh, you know, many times in the past on this mm. podcast, but I don't know that there's a record that better uh, exemplifies that than this. Mm-hmm. It's truly that. And at uh, Patreon, the majority of folks agree this is a worthy album. 88% of the vote, 13% went with a decent single. Wait a minute. That's that's 101%. How is that possible? How is it 88 and 13? Shouldn't it be 88 and 12? Well, that would mean this no, is no longer noise rock. This is now math rock. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, we need to talk to the uh, Patreon uh, calculator people and uh, figure out how that happened because I don't uh, I don't see how that math works out. I mean, I'm not I am not the strongest at math, but I know that three and eight is one, not zero. <laughs> so when I carry it to the <laughs> oh, you did carry the one, okay? Yes, like eight three, you get a you get eleven. So one stays there, one goes up top again. And then you got eight, one, one. That's that's ten, and that gives you one oh one. See, that's how that works. That's math. Gotcha. I'm sure there's new math, and I'm sure that's not how they do it. But <laughs> maybe that's what Patreon uses. Maybe Patreon uses new math so that you get a hundred and one percent out of a hundred percent total. Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for bringing this album to us. This was a treat. That we get to add this to our collection of records, both from Australia and overall. Yeah, no worries. Um, I actually had a poke around to see if anyone had done a vinyl this, and unfortunately they haven't because it'd be a great vinyl. But anyway, well, the next record came out on vinyl. It's I, mm. I think it's hard to track down, but no. So uh, it'd be nice if Rubber Records, if they are they still around, maybe they could repress it. Maybe they are still around, yeah. I've got them all on CD, but um, they're down the bottom of the box under the bed somewhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, if you look at the um, the Bandcamp page, it's just a scan of the um, of the CD cover because you can actually see where the um, staples are on the on the left <laughs> side. I was like, "Are those? Is that art? Nope, those are staples. That's not the artwork." <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Uh, we look forward to your picks for next year. I'm sure that you will have time at home to think about them right. over the next yes. several months as you will be busy. Yeah, did the Wiggles release anything in the 90s? <laughs> Barney's, or Barney, yeah, the, the purple dinosaur was kind of the thing in the 90s, wasn't it? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> there you go. Um, if you would like to be like Gavin and suggest a record, you can join us at Patreon. By going to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com for as little as two bucks a month. You get to vote in the polls. A new one just went up for our September records. And we also have roundtable polls, depending on which level you're at. We have stickers. We have T-shirts. All sorts of cool swag. You can join our Discord channel where we talk about things related to music. It's also where you get access to the box newsletter. If you don't want it delivered to your inbox, you can just go to our Patreon page and you can read about the new albums that came out, 
the calendar and the, the new releases that we review each week. One minute reviews of new books, records, and films related or uh, relevant to the 80s and 90s music that we cover. We just uh, posted what Tricky and the new Flaming Lips. Yes, both good records. I was both um, like well into the, you know, I think it was the 16th album for the Flaming Lips. I hadn't thought about them having that many records, but yeah, you know, I are the Flaming Lips going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, I'm sure. You know, that's I they've been such an outsider band for their most of their career. They seem like a band Rolling Stone loves. I don't know. I would imagine their early stuff is difficult. I mean, they put out like four albums before they ever had a hit single, and those are pretty weird records. So we'll see. Um, And then uh, Apple Podcasts, that's where you go to leave us some positive words if you enjoy the podcast we enjoy taking down npr yeah. a peg as much as possible give us a five star it takes a second yep it does help let's put Car- terry gross in her place all right <laughs> right sick of that ira glass sick of him all right <laughs> gavin thanks for coming back as always Hello, uh, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs> <laughs>